David Tarkington. Thank you for downloading this episode of Equipping for Life. This is a special episode featuring some friends in the state of Florida and part of the Florida Baptist Convention. Recently, I was asked to join uh, Dr. Tommy Green, the executive director and treasurer of the Florida Baptist Convention, along with Patrick Coates, who is the Black Multicultural Church Catalyst for our state convention, Pastor Eric Cummings, who is our state convention president right now, but also pastor of the New Life Church in Carroll City, which is in Miami Gardens, Florida, Pastor Theo Johnson of Sweet Home Missionary Baptist Church in Miami, and Pastor Ted Trailer of Olive Baptist Church in Pensacola, along with Micah Ferguson, the Strategic Initiatives Director for the Florida Baptist Convention, for this conversation on ministry and racial unity. This podcast was uh, produced by the Florida Baptist Convention and uh, is made available on, our, on their Vimeo site and on their website as well. I received permission from Dr. Green and the convention to put this podcast here in audio format for mine. So I hope you take the time to listen as we have honest conversations about ministry in our culture today. Perhaps it's helpful for you. Uh, thank you for listening. Welcome to another edition of our ministry coaching series. Today's discussion will focus on the need for racial unity. We began talking about developing this episode a few weeks ago following the video release of the death of Ahmad Arbery. However, in our conversations, we specifically recognize that racial injustice exists on a daily basis and desire to have a broader conversation that was not just about a single incident. So we gave it a little time and began to prepare for this important conversation that was scheduled for today, Monday, June 1st. Little did we know that this recording would take place following the death of George Floyd. Furthermore, we would have never imagined we would have this discussion on the heels of a weekend where we witnessed nationwide protests and riots. Over the last weeks, we have seen statements of solidarity from pastors across our state and nation. No one is here today to debate the fact that we have witnessed sin and it's against God's design. It's our prayer that our conversation today will encourage, challenge, and equip pastors as they continue to lead their church closer to God's design for unity across racial boundaries. The good news is we know the final outcome as we see it in Revelation 7, 9, in the words of John. After I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. But today, the question, this side of heaven, is how are we going to seek Jesus Christ to move in our hearts and towards racial unity and to right the wrongs that are happening in our society? As Christians, as we are called to live out the gospel and to be striving for unity in our day-to-day -day life. But the reality is, as we live in a culture where we are far from unified, the church does not escape this reality either. Our discussion today focuses on the challenges pastors and the church face with racial unity as we strive to live out the gospel on a daily basis. I'm pleased to be joined today by Theo Johnson, who is pastor of Sweet Home Missionary Baptist Church in Cutler Bay. Ted Trailer, who's pastor of Olive Baptist Church in Pensacola, and David Tarkington, who's pastor of the First Baptist Church of Orange Park, Eric Cummings, pastor of New Life Baptist Church in Carroll City, also our current president of the Florida Baptist State Convention. I'm also joined by Patrick Coates, our Black Multicultural Church Catalyst here for the Florida Baptist Convention, and Dr. Tommy Green, our executive director treasurer. Welcome everyone to our discussion today. 
Okay. So, I mean, this would have been an easy conversation for us to just skip over and say, let's push it to another day. Let's not have it today. Um, there's always the fear in these types of conversations that we've got the, the sound bite that comes out that doesn't sound exactly right and doesn't display the heart of, um, of, of who we are as individuals and corporately as the Christian body, you know, and so but as we talked, we felt this was a necessary conversation. Why, would, why is this a necessary conversation to be having today and in this environment? Well, first, we want to thank everyone for joining us today and incredible leaders and men of God that make a huge difference in, in their, their ministry context, but not only where they're located, but across our state and ultimately across our nation and to the nations. And so uh, we have incredible pastors all across the state of Florida and some of the greatest churches that you will find anywhere in America. And uh, as we come today, I think that we're driven by uh, who we are uh, as, as Florida Baptists. Uh, we have uh, stressed and have been working diligently uh, to emphasize that we are one, that we are family, uh, even the themes of our convention under the leadership of, uh, of Eric Cummins have direction. And so in moments like this, uh, we all uh, hurt together, we come together to have a singular voice uh, to recognize that there are real issues that we face as a nation, but these issues begin even within our homes. Uh, what are the private conversations that are taking place around tables? How, how can we focus uh, who we are in a, in a Christ-centered, redemptive way? And so if you look at the state of Florida, uh, we have uh, stressed that uh, the Lord uh, looks upon us as the church. Uh, it's not a, a white church, a black church, a Hispanic church, a, 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 a Creole church, or a Brazilian church, or a Japanese. Or we, we are the family. We are, we are one church, and we need each other if we're going to make a difference in reaching Florida for the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the same time, we have, we have focused upon um, stating that we uh, must be in every way as a convention, as a whole, but also within our churches, uh, those that are multicultural, uh, multi-ethnic, multi-generational. Uh, we must be multilingual, and we're multilocational. And as we come with that sense of who we are, that, that we, we come as one in Christ, I believe that this, this conversation is so important. And, and I'm grateful for the heart of pastors and churches and leaders within the state of Florida. Um, you know, having a seat at the table in every conversation and all that we do is very important. And, and I believe that in many ways, not always intentionally, but yet just in how things happen over time, uh, we almost created two different tables uh, in terms of who we were. I remember as a boy growing up, we'd go to Thanksgiving or Christmas and there was the adult table and then there was the, the kids table. And uh, you know, what a, what a big deal it was to finally get to go and sit at the adult table because we were always kind of over on the side as a kid's table. And, and I think that that's how many of our, our, our churches and pastors felt, you know, that there was kind of the adult table and we, we, we want you to be here, but we're gonna put you over at the kiddie table. And, and we've tried to say, no, we just got one table here and we got to all sit down together, believe in each other, pray for one another, serve one another, work with one another and be one voice, one heart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this conversation is so important because it's cutting as we see to the very heart and fiber and fabric of who we are as, as communities and as people where our churches are planted to make a difference. 
that's for sure. You know, we're all at the table together and, um, you know, but we're all impacted differently. Um, and that's, uh, that's one of the things we want to try and talk about today and to gain broader perspective. And so regardless of the pigmentation color of your skin, you know, we want people to walk away with some understanding of what our other brothers and sisters are dealing with. And, um, and so that's part of this conversation. And, and, and Theo, I'm going to ask you, you know, as we, we try to understand this, we know discrimination impacts um, the black community differently and, um, and based on sometimes generations and uh, the generational experience of the past and the experiences of today. Could you help us dig in a little bit and understand just kind of the why and the how it does impact um, different generations? Well, you know, the way, well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for this panel discussion. I, I believe it's uh, definitely beneficial to the body of Christ. And I just thank uh, God for you guys, and especially Dr. Tommy Green and his leadership and uh, Pastor Eric Cumming as well as Pat, as the president. Um, I, I really believe that this, um, what has happened over the years is we really have just looked at the fruit of the issue and we've not dealt with the root of the issue. And if you don't deal with the root of the issue, it continues to come back. It continues to produce fruit generationally. And I just think that it has to be uh, something that's talked about um, that you recognize what it really is. And, and, and yesterday uh, to some individuals is not necessarily, it's, it's a skin problem. But more than that, it's a sin problem. And until we address, um, you know, the differences as what it really is, it continues to be something that, that goes on from generation to generation. So I think that this robust conversation is important because we'll talk about not just what we see on the surface, but what's what's deeper, what's behind that and how we can eradicate um, and get get past uh, some of the challenges that we have. So speaking of that, that, that deeper issue, where are some of the hurts coming from within the black community? Um, I, think, I think it's more so um, not really understanding it, where we come from. Um, I, I tell this story, um, I've mentioned it before to Dr. Green and some of the other brothers, I, I've said it before. Uh, that one of my good friends uh, here in Miami, one of the local pastors, he and I, we have uh, dialogue on a consistent basis, and we talk about um, everything from church uh, to what's going on in the culture. And one time, one particular uh, incident happened where one of the uh, young black men, I believe it was Michael Brown, who was who was killed, um, and he and I was having a conversation at lunch, and you know we looked at it from two different perspectives. While his heart went out uh, to uh, the individual who lost his life, he didn't look at it from the perspective that I had. And so as we talked about it, as we as we dialogued, as we really just sat there without throwing accusations out, as we sat there to talk, he, he admitted, he said, Theo, you know, it's hard for me sometimes as a white man growing up from my perspective, my background to see things how you see it. He said, I just, it's not that I don't want to understand, it's just that I don't see it like you see it. Um, and I, I just think it's more so us talking it through, making sure that they understand, that everyone understands on both sides, that we have much love for each other. It's just a matter of getting down and talking and having communication with each other so that we can have a better understanding of, of what is taking place. And, and I'll, 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 leave, I'll leave this example. Um, if I would ask some of you right now on this call, 
how many of you all have ever had to have a conversation with your son about how you are to respond to the police if they ever stopped you in a car? I'm pretty sure Pastor Coates and Pastor Cummings would say that either we've had that conversation with our parents or we've had to have that conversation with our sons. Um, whereas I don't necessarily know, uh, Micah, if, if that conversation has had to be had, ever ever had to have taken place with uh, any, of, uh, any of you on the, on the other line. And so it's, it's just a matter of our different experiences and the different hurts and pains that we wanna sit and just kind of communicate and and, and in a sense, be able to find that em empathy that's there uh, from our brothers that, uh, that, that walk with us each day. You know, I think that's such an important aspect to share because it does open up our eyes to something that we, we, haven't, we haven't walked in those shoes. And I think that's part of that, that getting down to those, those root issues to understand those, those, those conversations that um, you're having with your sons um, as we try to even communicate that with our, with our own children. You know, it's not an experience they're necessarily going to have, but they need to know that, that their peer group, their friends are having those conversations with their parents. And that is the fear that they sometimes walk into in different situations um, in, in, in life. And uh, David, um, all right, you pastor in a, in a city that is uh, demographically indicated to be 50.4% um, white. And you're pastoring a church that um, would probably historically have been classified as a Anglo congregation. And so my question to you is, you know, how are you leading your church right now to be uni unified across different ethnic lines? Well, we're a typical uh, suburban bedroom community area. And, and when you think about a church like ours that has been here since, well, I think we're, we're 99 years old this year, 98 years old. So we have a history in Orange Park, but Orange Park's changed quite a bit uh, being a suburb of Jacksonville. And, and uh, Jacksonville has changed quite a bit over the years as well. The, the conversation, Theo, man, you're, you're speaking right into this, that, that, that what I was, I was thinking of as you were saying this, in order, to, in order to lead, I believe, in order to lead our church or my, the church God has called me to pastor into uh, a healthy, um, unified, racially diverse uh, community, which our community is changing dramatically at this point, uh, ethnically, uh, economically, uh, and all these other areas. I can't do it from an ivory tower and, and just say, now we're diverse. It's kind of like the church saying, hey, we're a really friendly church. You really, everybody in your church thinks you're friendly. It's the conversation with the people that visit your church that determines how friendly you really are. And so for the, for the, uh, you said we have been, what would you say? We predominantly used to be historically known as an Anglo church. We're still primarily white folks in the room, but not all white folks in the room. We have um, multi, you know, biracial families, biracial individuals, Hispanics, Asians, others. And so they're, they're part of our membership, part of our family. Um, but the conversation about um, unity is, is more authentic when it's not me talking about how you ought to be unified, but I actually have brothers who are pastoring sister churches in our city that may be predominantly African-American or predominantly Hispanic, that we have lunch together, we talk together. And I've had some brothers and some of you know them, they're, they're good friends, they serve in our convention. And, I, and, and one in particular, I told him years ago, cause I, I met him at an associational meeting, uh, predominantly black church, we're predominantly white church, we're in the exact same zip code. 
And I didn't know he was in Orange Park. I didn't know his church was in Orange Park. I was convicted that I did not know this brother. And he has become one of my dear friends. And I told him at that meeting, I said, listen, I need you in my life. I need you and, and I need to talk to you. And I need you to give me permission to ask, to be, to say things so you can correct me across the, across the breakfast table as we talk and as we pray together. And you can help me understand because I think um, what I know is token racially unified phrases and stereotypical phrases do no good. I, I, don't, I don't think that's helpful. Uh, I think it's not very helpful for me to say, hey, I understand, brothers, what you're going through. Um, Theo, I don't understand what it means to tell your son, let me tell you how to address a police officer when you're pulled over. Uh, even though I have a son who is a teenager, we didn't have the same conversations. Um, I didn't have to consider, hey, I don't think you ought to be jogging at night through this neighborhood, right? Even though you're getting ready for basketball next season, we didn't have those conversations. But, but I know some parents and some friends of mine who have had to have different conversations simply because of what their, their concerns and their fears of what the world is like. And, and, and rather than say, hey, I understand what you're going through, I have been very upfront and say, I don't understand. In case you don't know, I never grew up as a black man in this country. And so for me to say, I understand what you, under, what you are experiencing, I think is a bit insulting. And so I say to my brothers, help me understand and tell me why uh, another perspective so I can speak clearly on these issues as a brother in Christ with the gospel as the foundation to understand what, what, what really, or at least to have a comprehension better than I did prior. To lead my church into that um, means that we have to be, uh, I have to be outspoken in that area. I can't, I can't speak loudly on one issue and ignore another issue, if that makes sense. So uh, I can't speak loudly on the politically correct or the, or the political issue that the, this group will hold on to and ignore this issue when I see my brothers are hurting. And so when, when, when Ahmaud Arbery was killed, that, that, that impacted me. I mean, it just hurt me so deeply. And we spoke openly about that and how that impacts us. I didn't want to get into the conversation. Any conversation that begins hey, I'm not racist, but is a conversation I have to put the, the brakes on. If I hear that, I said, let's talk about it this way. And, I, and we've been able to have better conversations among the white members of our congregation, of the people of color that are members of our congregation. And, and it's not, hey, you get to sit at the big table. I think we had to get rid of the table and get a new table and say, this is the table of God. We're all at the Lord's table together. Let's have this conversation because I've got to pastor every, I've got to pastor this this entire congregation. God has led to our church, and I've got to do so grounded on the gospel. And uh, so I, I don't know if that clearly answers the question you've asked. But we have a changing demographic, and I have if our church that has been predominantly white looks out the window one day and says, "Hey, when we started this church, this was 90% white in our community, but now it's 60% black, or it's 70% black and Hispanic." We can't just focus on reaching the community where all the white people moved away from the church building to start new housing developments. What about the community God has blessed us with right across the street? And that's been, that's been our biggest, I'll be honest, that's been our biggest challenge, but that's been a primary focus. If we're here to reach the people that God has placed us at this piece of property, I have a couple options. I can either move to another piece of property where people look like me, or I can trust that God in his sovereignty placed us at this piece of property to impact the community that exists. And so that's been the biggest challenge. 
but that's the conversation we're continuing to have. It's great, David, as you talk about leading out on a, on a day-to-day basis, um, because the reality that we live in is that we have these moments and these events that happen that bring things to the forefront where we have these types of conversations. Um, and those are good conversations, but the problem is, is when that dies away and we stop having the conversation because we forgot the event. The reality is, is that this isn't a single event issue um, and that atrocities occur in somebody's life every day. They may not make the, the front page of the news, but the atrocities are happening within, within our black communities and our other um, ethnic communities on a daily basis. And so, uh, uh, Ted, as you think about this uh, from, from not being a single event issue to address, how do you ingrain this into the, the life of Olive and ongoing conversation? And, and how would you encourage other pastors to, to move beyond speaking out against a single event and ingraining this into the, the daily conversation within the church? Well, thank you, Micah and Dr. Green, for letting us uh, speak in uh, to this issue. And you're right, it, it's coming again. Uh, there'll, there'll be another event of, of some kind, some sort. Uh, that we'll deal with. I think there are two things that uh, really come to my mind in that regard. One of them David's just spoken to really is, is I, I think friendships, number one, and facts, number two, are very important uh, in having this dialogue. And it must begin with friendship, not with fact. If you start with facts, you'll have an argument. But if you can build the friendship first, then you can lean into facts and begin to talk about those. So I think friendships are, are just so very, very important. Uh, building those uh, pastor to pastor, very important. Lonnie Wesley's here in our city. Uh, Lonnie and I are good friends. We went to lunch the other day uh, and just having dialogue. Uh, we were together and uh, he was going to try to buy my lunch and uh, he did. And they brought the check and one of my members was in the restaurant and had already paid for the deal and uh, picked up the tab. And we laughed about that. And, uh, uh, you know, he said, I-, I wonder if that guy really knew that he was buying a black preacher's lunch. I said, I don't know what he knew, but uh, I, it, we've had lunch enough that we can laugh together. And if you don't learn to laugh together, then when the facts come, it's going to be very hard to have a genuine conversation. So I think you got to have those conversations pastor to pastor. You got to have an officer, a pastor to officer. You got to talk to your police. Uh, I called the chief police this past weekend. It, it got hot a little bit in Pensacola. We thought it was rising up. I called him and said, man, we're praying for you. Uh, then I think you got to build relationship with your governmental officials. Uh, and I don't mean when you got a problem. I mean, take them to lunch. I, 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 just building a friendship, uh, just like, you know, the six, seven of us on this call, uh, we've tried to build those over the years and uh, have those where we can have a genuine conversation, uh, have friendships. I, I found myself this past weekend, I'm, I'm telling you guys, uh, and forgive me, Micah, but uh, I, I, I wept in my pulpit Sunday. Uh, I, I, I'm 66 years old. I, I thought we were better. And I found myself back in my teenage years because of watching a black man killed, watching cities burn, and watching a rocket go up. That, that's what happened when I was a teen, young teenage boy. And I shared and I wept over those things. Yesterday, I said, I, I thought we had moved past that. And this morning, gentlemen, I got a text from one of my high school seniors who said, Pastor, I was listening to you yesterday and saw you cry uh, about the death and about the riots and about the rocket. She said, don't forget 
that just two years later, you've taught us revival came in the Jesus movement. And I, I was just like, my soul, hallelujah. I, I'm praying that, that that would be the next thing because we all know it's the spiritual situation. It's, it's going to heal what we're talking about with, with the sin issue and the heart matter. But we have to deal with, with friendships first. And we, we have that where we can talk, but then we have to deal with, with facts. Uh, but I think we only speak to facts after we've got the friendship going. Since, since 2015, police officers have killed twice as many white people as they have black people in America. Now, it's disproportionate because there's six times more white people than there are black people. So the percentage disproportionate that's there, and especially with the male. And you, you, can't, you can't begin with that. I'm, I'm, but I'm telling you, we're better than we used to be. It's not happening in 2020 like it did in 1965, even like it did in 1985. It's horrible. One person, that, that was godless what happened. Uh, in Minneapolis. It, it's awful. But we're doing better. Uh, we are moving in, in a better direction. I pastor in the Panhandle of Florida. <laughs> I, I'm, in, I'm in South Alabama, beloved. Uh, I picked up the phone and I started calling. I called J.T. Young, who was the first black gentleman, deacon, chairman at Olive Baptist Church. He now lives in Memphis, Tennessee. I picked up the phone. I called JT. I said, JT, I just want you to know I love you. I thank God for you. you. And then I picked up the phone. I called Leo Day, who was my minister of music for seven years. Black gentleman came to us from New Orleans. And I said, Leo, you helped us go places we could have never gone on our own in racial reconciliation uh, in our city. And so when you have those friendships, you can talk about facts and, and begin to get down to business. Okay, what's next? How do we fix this? What, what do we do? And there's another atrocity coming. As uh, long as we live in this sin-cursed earth, it, it's going to be here. Something's going to happen. But we've got to build some rails where we can talk to each other. And Micah and Tommy, thank, thank you for doing it. Because that's, this is what we got to do. And I think friendships and facts are just two very important issues and rails for these, this thing to run on uh, in days to come. Just kind of out of my heart today. Thank you for sharing from your heart. And um, I think it, it, it is important to also recognize that the, the needle has moved over the years and things have gotten better. And um, I think what our hope and prayer would be is that we'll, these moments now we'll see exponentially the needle move. Uh, let's not lose this Amen. moment. Let's not lose these conversations. Let's build upon these friendships that, 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 that are there so that we can see this needle move uh, substantially. And uh, Pat, as you lead the black multicultural ministry across the state, um, I can't tell the number of times that I've heard you say, we're better together. You know, we're all Florida Baptist. Um, and um, as you lead across the state, um, how, how do you translate that better together across the multicultural lines um, and, and as you go from uh, Pensacola to, to Key West with your ministry area? Yeah, th thanks for the opportunity. And, and Pastor Ted, man, I appreciate your heart. I love you, brother, and you as well, David. Um, uh, love your heart. Um, I, you know, I, I have the privilege to, to have been born uh, in Southern Baptist life, Florida Baptist life. Um, I can remember 10 years of age with Eric at, at the camps, RAs, 
Uh, as a rural ambassador, I do my best to become a well-informed, responsible follower of Christ. We have a Christ-like concern for all people to learn how to message to Christ cared around the world, to work with others in sharing Christ, and to keep myself clean, healthy, mind, and body. Come on. Uh, I'm Southern Baptist. I mean, <laughs> and, and there was a time when my grandfather, who was the first African-American to join in the 60s during the civil rights moments uh, in this century, and, and uh, he joined. And he joined because he saw the value uh, in in the kingdom, missions, uh, people coming together, believers coming together uh, for the gospel, uh, and, and training was a value, uh, and cooperation, you know, how, how we can use our monies and resources to reach the nations. And so, um, you know, recent social events, uh, the, the pain of these uh, injustices are hard and difficult, and they keep happening, it, it, it's heartbreaking, um, and they're very serious, but they do not negate, they do not negate um, what we've been able to accomplish, especially over these five years of bringing churches together. I want you brothers to know that as I travel around uh, this state, it is a huge leap for African-American pastor to join the Southern Baptist Convention. And yet, because of our hearts, and people don't get to see this part, uh, they're doing it. They're, they're coming and they're partnering because we've embraced them and brought them, as Dr. Green said, uh, to the table. And so, you know, have we perfected it? No. Um, is there work to be done? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. And this, this is a start. This is, this is great. Um, but the Black Multicultural uh, uh, Fellowship was designed and it's been very effective uh, in God's providence. He's just kind of laid his hand on it. It was designed to be a bridge, a cultural bridge for, for African-American, Caribbean, uh, urban pastors to be able to see uh, that they can be a part of this network and this family. And uh, it's been a blessing to serve uh, and to see what God has done in bringing us together. This, this uh, very podcast, us, being open and, and jumping in uh, this conversation is proof of, of what, you know, the good things we've done. I just want to share, if I can go down memory lane, um, there was a moment in history uh, that um, my grandfather, uh, you know, went to the bank, Coconut Grove Bank, to get a loan for his church. And uh, some of you know Dr. Tommy Watson, uh, uh, First Baptist of Orion is Calvary, uh, Christ Fellowship now. Emmett O'Reilly was, they were his best friends. They went into the bank. This was happening in the 60s. They went into the bank and told Carol Murphy, the president, to give Joe Coates the money to build his building. We'll put our personal credit on the line and our churches on the line. And that's how Glendale, you know, got their first loan to build their building. So, yeah. so there are men, there are Christians who have had a heart to, to move the needle and, and deal with these things. And I, I agree with, with Dr. Traylor uh, uh, wholeheartedly. The, my, my belief is that um, the end of racism, racism is actually in relationships. When I, when I get to know a guy, when, when we eat dinner and break bread together, uh, his pain becomes my pain and my pain becomes his pain. And so um, I'm excited um, and I hope we will continue 
with the work because if, if we lean on our theology, um, this is what heaven will be like. Heaven will not be a white heaven. It will not be a black heaven. It will not be a Latino or Asian heaven. It's gonna be God's people coming together, uh, united under, under him. We're all his children. That's what I learned when I was little. Uh, red, yellow, black, and white, all the pressures in his sight. Um, but I do want, I do want to, um, and so I'm excited about the work we're doing, but I do want to give you guys some insight into, uh, uh, Theo said that, you know, some of, some, some, uh, pastors do not understand the conversations that, that we have to have with our kids and stuff like that. And so I just want to share a, a different perspective when you look at all that's going on, uh, with, with, with Ahmaud Arbery and 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 uh, uh floyd um if, if i could be naked for a moment um ahmaud arbery issue and uh george floyd issue did not shake me personally like the amy cooper issue did if you want to understand the root of the black experience the amy cooper video can explain and paint a picture. Um, and that video demonstrates where uh, the black person, uh, when he has to live uh, by making everybody comfortable. And so when people get uncomfortable, they bring in the police or the, the trauma into these situations. So, so when you look at the heart of where all of the Ahmad Arbery's and all those start, perhaps it might have started with the, the Amy Cooper type of moment. And so I want you guys to kind of wrestle with that dynamic. Of, and that, to me, that's a spiritual issue, um, you know, that, that we got to wrestle with. But, you know, again, we cannot, we cannot negate um, all of the great work that, that we've been doing and that we are doing and that we'll continue to do. And I love, I love all of you brothers equally. And uh, I, I'm just, I'm just happy that that we're, you know, not afraid to tackle and, and just have the discussion. And thanks for the opportunity to share. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pat. And I know we've we've heard now, kind of reiterated twice specifically about the relationship side of things and and being able to have that friendship first. And um, I know I'm speaking for Pat right now, but there's a there's a white pastor out there that doesn't know where to begin in making those connections with a black pastor in his community or somewhere else that then Pat is your man. Um, you know, make contact with Patrick and, and, and he will be happy to help facilitate those conversations so that you can grow as an individual and to begin to develop those friendships so that you can grow um, in, towards, towards racial unity and, and that. And, uh, you know, Eric, as, as we, uh, to talk about racial unity, you know, so so often um, we want to take those moments where we see racial unity occur um, and we celebrate them um, immensely, we, and, and they should be. But the reality is, is that we, we celebrate those moments because they, they don't exist on the regular basis in which in which they need to. And so as we look to the, the next generations and learning ourselves, teaching our children, you know, how do we make unity, the expectation, um, in, instead of the anomaly. 
Again, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. I consider all of you my brothers. Uh, it's a privilege to be a part of this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Green and Micah, for uh, this platform, this opportunity to share. Uh, Micah, in light of that particular question, uh, I think it starts with, in, in, in just across the board, whatever we expect, we teach. Uh, I have, I've taught my kids to say please, uh, to say thank you, uh, to be grateful. Uh, I taught my son from a young age, you hold the door open for every female, regardless of age, regardless of race, you hold the door open. There were, these are things that I expect. And so they have to be the fundamentals of what it is to love, uh, to, to be unified as Christians uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of, of, of race, race or ethnicity. Uh, and those things have to be taught around every dinner table, in every classroom, in every church. Uh, so I reflect, uh, I'm going to sound a little preacher here, uh, on Deuteronomy 6, uh, which is like, to me, the foundation, if you will, of, of education, in particular, Christian education, beginning at verse 6, where it says, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Then it says, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts door of your house and on your city gates. And so I, I think it's important that we understand that to use a, a very common Baptist term, that it has to be an intentionality uh, to teach uh, our families and our respective places how to love our brothers and sisters uh, and, and, and be able to model that and to mentor that. Uh, but it has to be constantly emphasized. Uh, in life, we have reminders all around us. Uh, we are reminded of our need to be faithful to God uh, based on our Bibles. We have Bibles in our offices, in our homes. We have Bibles on our phones and electronic devices. Uh, we have slogans or verses or signs to remind us so that it stays in our heart. Um, several years back, I had the privilege of going out to the uh, Seattle, Washington to, to be a part of um, chapel services with the Seattle Seahawks. And they were giving me a tour of the facility and everywhere you went, including the bathroom, there were signs with slogans, mottos, themes. And one of the things that was said was that Coach Pete Carroll wants everyone to get their mission in their hearts. And I think the key thing is that as we instruct and, and we emphasize, we have to continue to do that from the early stages of life, uh, even into the, the older stages of life. Uh, and so I'm constantly having these conversations with my kids. I drive to the mall, somewhere in there, those conversations will take place. And just like we have to have the talks uh, uh, with our sons and our daughters about safety and driving a vehicle, we also have to have the talks consistently about why we must love, why we must uh, reach beyond what is comfortable and do that which uh, uh, puts a little bit more of a challenge in us because ultimately in our relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God uses these moments most importantly to build and develop our character, not necessarily to make us comfortable. And so I think if we, uh, in all of our homes, we lead, model, mentor, and pro pro provide a guide for the next generation because uh, 
my prayer is that they can get it right. That's my prayer. That's my plea and that's my cry that they can continue uh, to, to maybe bring uh, more of that growth and improvement that, that we've talked about on this call. And so uh, that's, that's what, I, what I see there. That's how we can make it an expectation because that's what we're emphasizing. That's great. That's great. I think, you know, all of us, you know, our, ourselves included, need to be challenged in, in how we continue to grow uh, in, in this area. And, um, and so these last, uh, these last minutes, we've been uh, we've dealt with various questions and tried to spread them around. And over these next few minutes, um, we'd really just kind of want to um, move the question around amongst ourselves. Um, and so I'm just going to call on, uh, you know, uh, Eric, would you lead off here? And um, as you've listened over the last few minutes, um, what questions have popped into your mind that you may want to ask, uh, you know, Ted or David or Theo um, uh, to help us all? The hope is that as we, we have these questions or questions that our audience that's listening is, is wanting to ask themselves of, of, of us. And so let's jump in and, and, and have those conversations. Would you mind starting with us, Eric? Sure, not a problem. I, uh, guys, I, I think I'll pose this to everyone. I think uh, we know that, of course, this subject matter and, and what's happening in our country is a delicate situation. It's actually a, at times and at some levels very uncomfortable to have. But, but let me just ask you across the board, anyone, what would you say is the most challenging aspect of, of these conversations? Oh, <laughs> everybody's jumping in, right? Right. Um, the most challenging aspect of any conversation is feeling like you know what you're talking about, I think, at some level. And, and, and I think, as, as Ted has mentioned and Theo has mentioned, we, 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 we will all affirm that the relationships are key for conversations to occur. Otherwise, you're just debating. And, and, and I don't, I'm, I'm looking for conversations. So uh, I think at some point, we also have to give the permission to our friends uh, who are looking at it from a different perspective to and I've used this phrase to, to my brothers. I've said, hey, in our private conversation, call me out. Don't call me out on Facebook. Don't call me out on Twitter. Call me out face to face so that I can understand better what that I'm saying a phrase that to me is not offensive. All right. But you hear it in a way that I've, I have never considered. All right. I've got a, I've got a brother on our staff. He's one of our uh, campus pastors, uh, worship leader. Uh, African-American, comes from uh, uh, Ohio, Midwestern area, and he helps me, and, and we have had some really, really interesting conversations. And I would, one of the phrases that he told me, and it may not be the case, just by the way, because my, my brother is on our side, he does not represent every black man in America. I get that too, nor do I represent every white person. So we're having this conversation. And he told me uh, a couple of years back, he said, listen, he said, Pastor, just don't say you're colorblind. I said, Okay, why? He said, because when, when, when a white person, and, and now he's generalizing, he said, when a white person says I'm colorblind, you may think what you're saying is, I don't see color. Well, we know that's not true, but we say it anyway. I don't see color and I treat everybody equally. And, and that's our desire. That's what we're hoping we're saying. That's, but what he says, what I'm hearing is this, is that what I'm hearing when you say I'm colorblind in that regard to race, what I'm hearing is, is you don't value my heritage or my culture or my perspective. And I'm like, I didn't mean that at all. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness. But he says, but that's what I've heard. But because of our relationship, because we love each other, because we'll, we'll do anything for each other, 
he tells me that with an understanding that one, he's not fired. Uh, two, uh, tell me why you feel that way. And, and, and I've had conversations in other regards. So that's just one example. I don't want to hog all the time here, but I, I, I think having the freedom to enter into those conversations without the repercussions, at least hopefully not the repercussions of losing a friendship, uh, of, of, of keeping the, and, you know, just this past Sunday, he said, man, I, with all that's going on, it's, it's making me angry. It's frustrating me because I went to him Sunday. I said, how are you doing? How are your boys doing? How's your family doing? And, and he's getting calls from all his family. What is your take? What is your take? What is your take? And I just want him to know um, that I'm with, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, we're in this together. Patrick, as you say, we're in this together. And, and, we, and, and that's got to be more than a hashtag to get through the virus. That's got to be more than uh, just survival for the latest news event or protest or anything else. We're in this together for the sake of the gospel, for the long haul. Uh, but that's, I, I've said too much, but, but just <laughs> that, that's one way that we've had those conversations. That's great. David, would you, uh, since you jumped on the answer to the previous question, I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask the next question if you don't mind. Uh, okay. So um, I think there's another issue that, and maybe, maybe we're not the right audience to answer this, but how do you deal with uh, not just a racial divide, but a generational divide that sees racial relationships differently from uh, South Alabama, Pensacola, Panhandle area to Miami to, uh, and it's not just black, white, but it, but it may be predominantly that. How do you deal with the, um, the well-meaning people who are from, who have seen so much, see, there's a whole generation right now watching the nation burn going, I've never seen anything like this. Brother Ted said, the sad thing for me is it's reminded me of what I've seen before. And some Patrick and your father and, and Eric, your parent. I mean, even in this generation and the generation prior may have seen things that are going, we should be better than this. So how do you have those conversations, not just the across racial divides, I don't even like using the word divide, but the racial differences to generational differences. How do you have those conversations? Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in right quick. I think one of the things that we have to be open to doing is asking our brothers and sisters what unity looks like to them. Uh, and I, I use the term unity, but, but any of those things that, that we're trying or attempting to address, or to, I think perspective is important because everyone's perspective is not the same. Uh, but the starting point is to at least hear where they're coming from. Because as you mentioned uh, before, you can make a, a statement with one thing in mind but it's received another way. So we can't confuse our intent with the impact that it has on the person who's hearing what's being stated. Uh, so I think it starts with just basically, in my experience, just asking people, hey, share with me your thoughts or your perspective uh, to get a picture, because that, that's, that's where we can kind of move forward because it goes back to what Dr. Trailer said, you know, friendships and facts. So. So you're able to kind of get a feel based on that relationship and you can build on build from there. I'd like to chime in on that thought too. I think one of the questions I get from uh, people outside of Florida, Hey, how did you guys, how, how did you guys get um, such, you know, togetherness with, 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 you know, Florida Baptist pastors. I see a lot of black churches, never seen that in other States. How's that happening? 
And 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 I tell them first, well, I think God is just doing it. But you know, our part in it is we've been getting the right people in the room together and creating the condition where they can get to know each other. And so, you know, you know, just like our annual meeting, um, when we when we stop having the side meetings and we bring everybody together, then we have those moments where when the prayer happens, you got you got a brother from the panhandle hugging a brother in Broward and, and they're weeping together and you know and, and then they they leave exchanging phone numbers and so um you know I have to give Dr. Sullivan one thing he told me he says that uh unity this thing cannot be manufactured it it has to happen organically and so um the challenge for us going forward is easy to stay in your Jerusalem and your context at your church with your people but when we when we have the chances as Florida Baptists to to go to meetings where we're all there um, man be intentional as Eric said about about meeting somebody you don't know uh, you know you know getting their phone number and, and just talking to them having conversations and I think you know that changes people's perspective and when you change a person's heart it spills on. It spills onto their church. It spills onto their family. It, it goes everywhere, and so I, I would say that is one of the, the the great things that we can continue to do, to to our in our way to to move the needle. Thanks, Pat. Uh, Pastor Ted, a question on your heart that you want to pose. Uh, Patrick, uh, from a preacher like me, how can I? put you in touch uh, how do we bring our uh, uh, non-anglo church i don't even know what the phrase is i'm not even sure your title here i'm sitting here looking at it <laughs> how, how do i bring them to you how, how do we bridge that gap of making them feel apart and that florida baptist convention life would be good for them other than quoting the RA slogan. I mean, there got to be something that you can do past that. I, I, I think, I think, I think you already have a platform. You got Lonnie. Lonnie's an influencer. When I went to visit him That's just true. a few months ago, he took me into a National Baptist uh, pastor's meeting that he has with us. So he's still connected with those guys and, and threw me up to speak. And I was like, what am I going to speak about? <laughs> and so I, I just think, I just think, um, leveraging Lonnie to get in a room with those guys just for the purpose of having relationships. And I mean, I mean, everybody in that area looks up to you and your ministry. And, 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 and so I think making yourself available and say, and, and challenge Lonnie, Hey man, get me with some guys. Let's have some lunch with some guys and, and let's create the relationship where they can feel uh, comfortable talking to me as a brother and, and, and that, that, you know, nobody's going to be mad or anything. I think that's how we bring this together. I think that's how we do it. The, the little touches that we come together as, as people of God, children of God, is how we move the needle. That's what I believe. We're, we're going to do, we're shooting this Friday, uh, uh, Lonnie and uh, Bernard Yates. Okay. The yep. National Baptist Pastor here yep. in the city. Yep. Uh, the three of us are going to do a virtual baccalaureate service for the class of 2020. And uh, yep. put, put the three of us going to take about five or six minutes apiece and, and put that service and kids together. And I've found just almost to be a godsend in the timing 
uh, of the scenario where we are and to bring this together. So those are the kind of, that helps me today. Thank you for that. You know what has been impactful uh, and, and, you know, I'm grateful uh, in a sense, you know, this might sound twisted for, for the COVID-19 because what it has done, it has taken the unity that we experience because we're connected yeah. and, and giving it to guys who are on the fringes that don't come to all the meetings. And so you had on those prayer calls, pastors from every ethnicity say, hearing, hearing you and, and, and Willie Rice and, and those speaking, man, that's a good brother, you know? And so it, it, just, it just brought everybody, those types of things bring everybody together and, and, you know, allow them to be able to see the hearts of each other. You know, we're all Christians. I mean, at, 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 you know, at, at some point when we come together, uh, Christ is going to shine through, and that's what's going to bind our hearts together. Amen. Ted, it's good timing, but I, I'll be amazed if you and Lonnie and the other pastor hold to five minutes with that baccalaureate. Uh, that timing might not be quite as tight. <laughs> uh, I, I told him Jesus would come if Yates stayed under seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> as we start to close out our conversation here, thoughts, questions that, that have come to your mind that we need to deal with? Well, I think thoughts are is that I think the awkwardness of these moments are is that we usually only have these conversations in these moments. Yeah, we've got to be better than that. Uh, we, we've got to build the, these relationships ongoing. I mean, what Ted said is important. We don't have love and respect for one another. Speaking in moments like this is just hollow. I mean, you know, you, you can you can think you're making a big statement, but but you know, at the end of the day, people know who you are. They know your heart, and they know if you're genuine in, in trying to to be a bridge builder, a peacemaker. If you're trying to you know facilitate you know these kind of things. I mean, just like Saturday. I mean, I know uh, Theo at his church, and I know we had churches all over the state of Florida uh, that came together, every race, <laughs> and 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 fed thousands, tens of thousands of people in the state of Florida with, with, with meals. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, the numbers I've heard are over 100,000, you know, 120 something thousand meals. You know, that, that, that's not what's on the news, you know, but, but that's what brings us together, the, the gospel, the mission that we have as one and trusting each other and having a heart to serve with one another. I think that changes, you know, our, our conversations rapidly. And, and you know, we, we have, you know, we put out this challenge for all of Florida Baptists, and it's going to take all of Florida Baptists, you know, in this challenge 2025 that we've had to plant churches, revitalize churches, baptize more people, you know, being in, in having missions engagements, uh, you know, being committed to our missions giving, because those are the things that we've got to do together. And, and, and when we're one, you know, it, it, it's not anybody getting the pat on the back. It's all to the glory of the Lord. And, and we have such a state with such amazing opportunity. And, and, and it's been said in many different ways on this call, you know, Florida Baptist, our pastors, our churches are setting a standard that, 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 that other people are watching and seeing what we do and how we do it. And I praise God for leadership like I see on this call that, that is consistent, that, that, that has this kind of heartbeat. And so, you know, my, my prayer is that we don't wait until we have these kind of moments to all of a sudden, you know, feel like we've got to say things and do things. I mean, if we're doing this, 
day by day, week by week, year by year, then there's trust and there, there's friendship and there's love and there's respect, there's relationship that, that, that we know in these moments. I, I've not got to worry about what Ted Trailer thinks. So I've not got to worry about what Eric Cummins thinks. I know, I know their heart and I know what we're going to do and we're going to do the right thing together. And so, you know, I just pray that, that, that if, if this moment just kicks us to another level, another gear, then, then, then that's what I hope for. Because I do believe that God, he put us in time out for, for three months. And we're going to come out of time out now facing what we're facing. And if we don't do better, and if we don't respond with the gospel in a way that is so laser focused in this moment, there may, they, there may never be another opportunity like this moment to reach Florida and beyond with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Dr. Green. Uh, thank you, each of you that have joined this conversation today. Um, and I, you know, our challenge uh, to, to all those that be listening with us today is just let this be the beginning of the conversation. Um, you know, you look for your next steps, even right now, to know, man, there's a, there's another pastor in our, my community. I need to be contacting him today. Um, and so let's not lose this moment. Um, let's build upon it. And uh, as we close with this scripture, um, and then we're going to have uh, Eric Cummings, if you would uh, close us out with prayer um, after I finish reading um, this, this section of scripture from Romans 12, 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, instead associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it is, depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you and praise you for the privilege, the honor, the opportunity that we may come together as brothers in Christ and just share our hearts, Lord. First and foremost, our love for you, Lord. Uh, our love for our brothers on this call. Uh, our love for your people across this globe. Father, I pray that even as we prepare to exit this time of conversation, that you would go with us and before us, that we would shine brightly for you, for your glory and honor in our respective places of service. God, as we bow before you, we come uh, stretching across this entire state of Florida, from the Panhandle all the way down to the southernmost portions of Miami-Dade County. I pray, oh God, that the web of love that holds us together We'll be able to be spread to impact the lives, hearts, minds, and souls of those that we speak to, encounter, and deal with on a daily basis. And Lord, I pray that in the midst of this present turmoil and circumstance in our nation, as it grieves, as it mourns, even as it begins to process its wounds and its hurt, that Lord, we will continue to point others to you. Because in the midst of all of the strife and struggle, Lord, our hope is in you. And so, Lord, we look to you and we'll fix our, our eyes upon you, the author, finish, and perfecter of our faith. That we may continue to boldly and courageously lead and stand on your word. That we may see transformation come forth in the lives of uh, your people and this nation uh, in which we serve and live. And so, Father, now we ask these blessings. We ask your covering. I lift up every pastor, their families, the churches they serve, the ministry and work of 
Florida Baptist Convention. Lord, we pray that you continue to use us powerfully in this time. We ask it now humbly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.